Hello, hi. Welcome back to Ravenwood Manor. Uh, as always, I am Yuki. Um, it has been longer than it should have, but I am getting over a cold, so... I did not want to subject you to the experience of listening to me while sick. Um, this may or may not be used depending on how I decide it sounds in editing because I'm still slightly sick, so... Um, I guess we'll find out. Um, there are some corrections slash additional notes from the last episode. Uh, Huberty waited by the phone for hours after he contacted the, um, mental hospital or when he was reaching out to get help in any case he was waiting for hours by the phone for them to call back but he never got the call um he left the home and rode his motorcycle to an unknown destination the receptionist wrote show Bertie instead of Hugh Bertie. Um, he was polite and had no prior history of mental illness, so the call was logged as a non-crisis inquiry, and those are typically handled within 48 hours. Whereas if it would have been logged as a crisis inquiry, then it would have been handled immediately. Um, so that is the follow-up that I said that I would include in the last episode. Um, so this week... We are discussing the case of Ron and Dan Lafferty. Um, this was a murder case in 1984. It gained a lot of publicity due to uh, the suspects claiming it was a result of divine revelation. Ron and his younger brother Dan are charged for the throat-slashing murder of their sister-in-law Brenda Wright Lafferty and her 15-month-old daughter Erica. <coughs> 
The murder occurred on July 24, 1984. Ron claims to be a prophet, claimed that God instructed him to remove several people, including the victims. Um, Michael Esplin and Gary Wright were standby counsel for the brothers in their hearings in the trial in August. Um, they represented them at their competency, competency hearings. Jeez, if I can English properly, that would be lovely. Um, At the end of the competency hearings in the Utah County Jail, Ron attempted suicide in December. resulting in severe injury and mental damage. Ron was held at the Utah State Hospital for several months. Ron was found competent to stand trial by doctors at the State Hospital. He was tried in 1985 convicted and sentenced to death. The penalty was upheld after an appeal to the Utah Supreme Court. The United States Supreme Court rejected further appeal. The U.S. District Court for the District of Utah also upheld the conviction. The Tenth Circuit Court of Appeals overturned the lower court's verdict and reversed the conviction. The state and lower court judge. Oh, the. I believe the Tenth Circuit Court judge stated that. He felt like the lower court and the judge had committed error in finding Ron competent to stand trial. The state filed an appeal with the Supreme Court, which was turned down. Ron was remanded to the 4th District Court to undergo competency hearings. Ron was found incompetent to stand trial and was sent to the Utah State Hospital for treatment. Three years later, a court found Ron's competency was, quote, restored And in 1996, he was retried for his crimes. After a three-week trial, Ron was found guilty of a capital offense. Further appeals 
to the Supreme Court were denied on <clears throat> on August 12th, 2019, the 10th Circuit of Circuit Court of Appeals refused to hear Ron's case by a unanimous decision. Judge Mary Beck Briscoe wrote, Lafferty has failed to make this showing with respect to any of the four claims on which he seeks a COA, or Certificate of Appealability. The court's the court's decision gave Ron few options left if he tried to appeal once more. Ron elected to be executed by firing squad. Ron Lafferty died in prison of natural causes prior to his execution date in November 2019. He was 78. Um, uh, there are some references in pop culture and media. Um, there is a book called Under the Banner of Heaven by John Crockier. Um, then there's a mini-series based on Under the Banner of Heaven by, er, uh, excuse me, on FX on Hulu. So I assume you have to get an add-on or something. I don't know. I'll have to check. Um, the TV show American Monsters did an episode. It is season three, episode five, and it is on Discovery Plus. So if you have that, I do recommend giving that a watch. Um... Ron was excommunicated from the LDS church. Um, he started a breakaway sect called School of Prophets, um, which, for those who are not familiar with the LDS church, um, They may be more familiar with the term Mormons um, because that specific church was referred to as the Mormons for a long time. Um, the And so in that church, if somebody gets kicked out and sort of like blacklisted almost by the LDS church that's called being excommunicated 
And so they will get rid of all your records and stuff and you will not be allowed to join again. Um, the Another breakaway group would be the FLDS, which were a small group who still practiced polygamy and stuff. Last I heard, the guy who started the FLDS are, is in jail or prison. Um, but that is also considered a breakaway group. Um, and he added F for fundamental. So like going back to the very beginning, like very basics of the LDS religion. Um, uh, so yeah. Uh, I do have sort of a timeline here. So, in 1983, Ron was excommunicated for extreme religious views, including polygamy, which is having multiple wives. I don't know. Most people know what that means, but for some reason, if you don't, that's what that term means. And when Utah became a state, they actually made polygamy illegal because that the U.S. government was like, look, if you want to join our country, you, if you want to be a state, you got to get rid of this. This isn't a good thing. So, technically, polygamy is illegal in Utah, but that does not stop random little breakaway communities, which is probably why that one FLDS guy is in prison. Although that could also be because... It was, he was taking minors, as said, multiple wives. I don't know, I'll have to look into it. Um, in 1984, he forms his breakaway sect, the School of Prophets. Um, the brothers claim to be receiving messages from God. In March of 1984, they record the removal revelation, which I assume to be some type of um, manifesto like weird thing 
which I assume they flat out state in this removal revelation their intent to murder sister-in-law Brenda who is the strong-willed wife of their youngest brother Alan and her daughter Erica um there were supposed to be two other victims um Chloe Lowe uh, the former Relief Society president who was a friend and, like, supported the wife in the divorce because Ron and his wife did get a divorce. Um, and Richard Stowe, the... Uh, um, yeah, the Hillcrest Stake President. Er, uh, hold on. I gotta check that one sec. Highland, not Hillcrest. Um, So, according to the Deseret News, his anguish at his wife's departure morphed into rage and he channeled it at three people. Chloe Lowe, the Relief Society president, Richard Stowe, the Highland stake president who presided over his excommunication, and Brenda Wright Lafferty, the wife of his youngest brother, Alan. Um... He, share, he did share the removal revelation, which it seems like in which he stated 
his plans to murder these people. He did share that with the School of Prophets. Um, in July, or on July 24th of 1984, they forced their way into Brenda's home. They strangle her with a vacuum cord and slit her throat. They nearly decapitated Brenda's 15-month-old daughter, Erica. Then they fled the scene. They were hitchhiking, and they were planning on going and attacking Chloe Lowe, but she wasn't home. So they continue to Richard Stowe's house, but they get lost and they can't find it. So they go to Nevada. The people who picked them up are Charles Carnes and Richard Knapp. They were presumably driving them. And then they were all hiding out together in Nevada. August 17th of 1984, the brothers are arrested by the FBI in Reno. The brothers Carnes and Knapp are charged with two counts of criminal homicide, two counts of aggravated burglary, and two counts of conspiracy to commit homicide. I'm not sure if Carnes and Knapp were simply charged for aiding and abetting, or if they were also included in the other charges. Um, December 30th, 1984, Ron attempts suicide. He also attempts to kill his brother Dan in prison. The judge grants a motion to try them separately. In 1985, Ron is tried, convicted, and sentenced to death. Dan is sentenced to life in prison. A single holdout juror spares Dan a death sentence. In 1991, the Federal Appeals Court overturns Ron's conviction, ruling the wrong standard was used to determine his competency. In 
1996, Ron's conviction is overturned on appeal, and he goes back to trial. Again, he is convicted and sentenced to death. Ron chooses to be killed via firing squad. Further appeals are denied. In 2001, the Utah Supreme Court affirms Ron's conviction and sentence. In July 2003, Crocker's book is released, which include new accounts and even statements from Ron and Dan. Dan says he participated in the writing of the book because the book is part of God's plan for him to spread his strange revelation. August 12th, 2019, 10th Circuit Court refuses to hear Ron's case by unanimous decision. Ron elects to die by firing squad. November 11th, 2019, Ron dies of natural causes. He spent 34 years on death row one of the longest-serving condemned inmates in the country. In 2022, Dan remains in Utah State Prison, serving his life sentence. I will link the two articles that I used, and then also the Wikipedia page, so you can look into it for yourselves if interested. But since this is a very short um, case, I also did some research on the Utah State Hospital. Um, The Utah State Hospital is a mental hospital located in eastern Provo, Utah. The current superintendent is Dallas Earnshaw. It began as the Territorial Insane Asylum in 1885 in Provo. The purpose was to house and treat those considered mentally ill and return them to normal levels of, quote, functioning. But due to limited knowledge of treatment, At the time, it very quickly just became a place for them to live. Just throw them in the hospital and then go and continue on with your life and forget about them. As a lot of these 
facilities ended up happening. They started out with good intentions and then very quickly just devolved into some of the worst places ever. Um, It was eight blocks from the nearest residence and separated by swampland and the city dump. So it was sort of separated from the rest of the city and so they were technically the theory would be that there was enough space between them and that they would have noticed and been able to catch the patients there if they did escape um the supervising architect of the 1885 building was john h burton he planned and was in charge of the building until nine from 1981 until his death after which his assistant slash colleague Richard K.A. Cletting was appointed. In 1903, it was renamed the Utah State Mental Hospital. In 1927, it adopted its current name, the Utah State Hospital. In an effort to eliminate negative stigma, around mental health. Long-term patients engaged in work therapy, which not only gave them something to do, it made the hospital self-sufficient. It originally sat on 600 acres of land that had a dairy, a dairy barn, a hay barn, along with a piggery, which when I looked that word up, because I didn't know what it was, I had never heard that word before. Apparently, it's a farm where pigs are bred or kept. Uh, They had chickens, rabbits, and pigeons. The residents cared for the animals and harvested fruits and vegetables from orchards and gardens on the campus. As more and more people began indefinite stays, so they had no idea how long they were going to be there or anything, uh, overcrowding became... A huge problem. In the 1940s, the hospital had 700 beds, but housed over 1,100 people. Dr. Owen P. Heinegger was the superintendent in 1942. He started 
implementing changes. He saw the need. He saw what was going on and realized this isn't good. This this is not okay. And we need to do something to fix it. So he starts making changes. Uh, he created smaller treatment units. Uh, so instead of one or two doctors and nurses having this big group that they're responsible for treating, now they only have maybe like four or five people. I don't know the specifics, but... It said smaller treatment units. So, um, they started involving the patients in their own treatment plans. So, the patient would finally have a say. And they could provide their own input to their treatment, which was apparently not all that happening before. Um, And encouraging more humane treatment. Um, Another big figure involved with the hospital is Lucy Beth Rampton. She was the first lady of Utah in the 60s and 70s. She was very very vocal with her struggles with depression. She was a very well-respected member of society. Um, And so... Her openness and just general willingness to talk about it helped quell some of the stigma. Her advocacy for treatment helped raise awareness. Um, In 1969, the hospital's role changed. Care shifted from institutional care, so just throw them in a building somewhere and let somebody else deal with it, to more community-based care. So only those with severe mental illness are admitted for ongoing treatment. Today, they have... 324 beds for those who require treatment in a more structured setting and who are unable to receive adequate care at regional centers. So I think what that means is they were sent to a different care center like the developmental center where I work or like 
a different regional care facility, but they're unable to get adequate care. They're not able to get the care that they need there, and so they may move them to the state hospital if necessary. Um, they treat children, youth, and adults. There are numerous therapy options as well as a forensics unit to rehabilitate those who have committed criminal acts or are accused but found incompetent and they can't stand trial. So, the fact that they sent Ron to the state hospital tells you how bad off he was. Um, Clearly, he was not doing well at the time. Um, In general, the patients stay for an average of six months. Um, They tend to try not to keep them long term. I feel like it has to be very special circumstances. Um, but again, the Wikipedia page, which will also be linked in the show notes, was very vague about, excuse me, certain things. Um, they have specialized programs for the different age groups, so for children, youth, and adults. Um, again, a wide variety of treatments, which include physical occupational therapy, pediatric playgroups, community cooking, and outdoor youth activities. Um, Again, I will link the Wikipedia page in the show notes. So if you want to, you can read it yourselves and see, or I guess you can even try and look it up some for yourself if you want more information but that is all I have for you this week um, if I decide if this is the one that shows up then I have decided I sound sufficiently unsick enough to use this one But if not, you will get a better re-recorded version later. Um, As always, 
if you have suggestions or comments or just things you want to tell me in general, uh, you can do so on Twitter, which is... At Lee Tidwell, so at L-E-E underscore T-I-D-W-E-L-L. Again, it will also be linked in the show notes, so if for whatever reason I'm remembering it wrong and I don't say the right Twitter, you'll be able to find it there Um, or via email, which is yuki moonshine at outlook.com which will also be in the show notes um yeah so i think that's everything that needs to be plugged so have a good day night evening afternoon Whatever time of day it is where you are, I hope it is good. I hope things are going well for you. Um, Yeah.